All right, I think we're live, but I'm waiting to see the screen. That's what I was waiting to see right there. I had to see Jack Windsor's smiling face and spiky hair just to get us launched here. Welcome to another edition of Talking Smack. I'm Bob. And I'm Jack. And we're live on Facebook Live. We're live on YouTube Live. We're live on Twitch, I believe. And of course, we're going to be able to download. You're going to be able to download every episode of Talking Smack uh, wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, you name it, you've got it. But welcome to this Monday uh, edition. Jack Windsor, good weekend. Yeah, it was a super fantastic weekend, Bob. Uh, you know, small victories over here. We have a new shower head that's amazing. And you know, those are the kind of things I. <laughs> I get amped about these days, brother. Wow. Congratulations. Happy Thank for you. you. And then the shower head. I'm sure you guys will make beautiful music together. I can see you as I can see you being a shower singer. I can totally see you just belting it out like you were like you were, you know, on stage somewhere. Am I am I wrong? No, I you're sing- right. I just you know I, know, the- I can just tell your personality. You know, the, the sad part is I didn't know how bad I was. Uh, Eva Grace is actually a fantastic <laughs> singer. And we've gone places in the car and I'll start singing. And uh, it wasn't long ago, maybe a year and a half ago. She just goes, Dad, stop. You're terrible. <laughs> You're awful. Did you know you were terrible? Or you, not no, I'm tone deaf, man. I had no clue. I had oh, no my clue. gosh. I am, too. Yeah. You know what? You know what's so funny? Have you ever done this to yourself in the car? I guarantee anybody, by the way, we welcome you. The reason we do these live is we want you to be interactive and we didn't really promote today's show. So apologies if you're missing this and whatever, but if you are watching live and you want to participate on the Facebook comment page or on the YouTube comment page, they should show up and kind of populate right here in our, uh, on our, um, our restream format, but, but Jack, tell me, and, and you, if you want to comment on this, seriously, anything we talk about is fair, fair game. Have you ever tested yourself to find out? Cause like if you're in your car, not the clock, not the shower thing now, but if you're in your car and the music's on and you have the music and you have the real lead singer doing their thing and you sing with slash over them, you kind of feel like I got this, man. I'm pretty on this. Have you ever done that and then turned the mic down and kept, or I mean the radio volume down and kept singing and then found out, holy crap, I don't got this at all. 100%. I can't be the, I, I can't be the only one who does that. Or You're not, like that. man. I've done that before. In fact, I used to think that I was absolutely spot on with Johnny Cash. And so I would start <laughs> doing some Johnny Cash and then, you know, I would turn it down. Right. And I'm like, I'm going to try Oh, it's awful. (laughs) How does it sound so good when he's on and then when he's not on? And so I just always chalked it up to if I can hear him, I can emulate his voice. But once he's gone, no, that's not true. I suck the whole time. I promise you, I suck the whole time. Oh, the answer is talent. God given talent. Some people have it and some people do not. And uh, I can most definitely tell you I do not. All right. Um, it's, uh, It's a weird Monday at least in my world, a lot of things happened over the weekend that we want to talk about and we welcome your thoughts. And by the way, Jack and I always prepare, you know, uh, some topics for what we're going to talk about on Talking Smack and, you know, we'll kick around some things, not everything, you know, because we want them, some things to be, you know, organic and, and in the moment. But we, of course, prepare our show just like I prepare my radio show, but we're not locked into anything um, you know, we didn't have a, a national calamity happen where we have to, uh, you know, uh, make sure we stay on that. Uh, so if you've got something you want to talk about or you want to hear us talk about, seriously, while we're live, by all means, go onto those comment pages, like I said, on Facebook and Twitch. And I think Twitch does that. I don't know. Uh, and, and YouTube and tell us just say, what do you guys think about this? Or here's what I think about that. What do you think? Or you guys suck. Do better. I don't care if you got something to say, say it. And we'll, uh, you know, and we'll engage it uh, because that's what we want this to be is kind of a, that's why we do the live stream so that it's kind of a, an interactive type of situation. So having said that, Jack, we kind of kicked around a few things off the, uh, off the podcast about what we wanted to do. Where do you want to start? Yeah, you know, I really want to start with Twitter files. Uh, You know, Friday night, that was the thing. I had no clue that anything was going to happen. And uh, I think I saw the message at about five o'clock and it said something along the lines of, hey, you know, within the next hour, we're going to we're going to open up the Twitter files and we're going to show you what's been going on behind the scenes. Now, uh, obviously, it was a couple of hours late, but um, I actually went out on Twitter and on Facebook and I made some comments. Uh, I gave you my hot take and my hot take uh, off the bat was it appears 
that the Biden campaign, the DNC, and maybe some other government officials uh, colluded with Twitter and made certain that things that they wanted uh, ramped up or ramped up and things that they wanted to disappear disappeared. And I even went so far to say, hey, this seems like a First Amendment violation. People need to go to jail. But um, I calmed down and uh, I gave my uh, my cool off take is what I called it. And uh, I think there's a lot that we're still going to learn about the FBI lie. I call them the FBI lie now, not the FBI, the FBI lie and their involvement uh, with Facebook, with Twitter, with social media platforms in the lead up to the 2020 election. But just looking at Friday's stuff, I think um, I think there's a lot of confusion about what is a First Amendment violation? Is the DNC a private entity or are they a government actor? Is the Biden administration a private enterprise or is it a, a government actor? And if those uh, entities even told Facebook what to do or told Twitter, in this case, Twitter what to do, is it a First Amendment violation? And, um, you know, as the as things have settled down, it appears that there, there aren't necessarily First Amendment violations by the DNC by the Biden administration. But it certainly appears that social media, uh, maybe by the nature of the types of folks that are staffed in those companies, um, certainly played favorites during the 2020 election. That might create a ton of civil liability. Uh, and, and I think that we're gonna see that played out over the next year or couple of years. Um, but I think the story that broke in the Epic Times about the FBI and uh, someone, his last name is Chan, who used to be uh, with the agency, saying that about once a week, the FBI would debrief or brief with social media companies. And I think what it's going to come down to is, did the FBI say, look, you need to do this or else? And if they did, then that might be evidence of them being a government actor and colluding with a private entity to, to quell First Amendment and free speech rights, but that has to be proven. So um, I think we're gonna see a, a ton of conversation and litigation uh, on the horizon based on just what we saw Friday night into Saturday from Elon Musk and Twitter. So let me ask you this, what flavor crack did you smoke today before this show? What, uh, what, what, what brand did you use? You must have used either the really, really expensive stuff or the really, really cheap stuff. I don't know which one F's you up worse, but whichever one it is you used. Bring it, bring it. What, how can you, what you say, how can you say that the Biden administration wouldn't be acting as a government entity in telling social media companies what to do? telling them we'd like to see this account removed, this tweet removed. Mm -hmm. We'd like to see this, uh, you know, this thing that's about to drop is Russian propaganda. Now, by the way, the, uh, this is crucial. One of the left's ridiculous attempts to, um, to um, uh, explain away, you know, the information on the Twitter files is like, how can you call this government, you know, uh, uh, threatening or coercion or whatever to, to deny free speech? The Trump administration was in power, but it wasn't Biden administration. So how can you possibly say that it was, uh, you know, if the Democrats did this, it was the government? Well, there are a lot of elements to the government, leftists. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of elements. There is the executive branch, and the, you know there is this thing called the legislative branch. And for the last two years of the Trump administration, including the year in which the uh, um, worst of this happened, the 2020 election cycle, the Democrats controlled the House, the Democrats controlled the Senate, and yes, the Democrats can represent themselves through the DNC— and use that to go after and go to Twitter, which we saw in the Twitter files, DNC, talking to certain level members of the uh, of the Twitter sphere, uh, which elevated them up and them up. And you saw that you saw the results. We want to see this gone. We want to see that gone. And five minutes later, handled. It's like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Step and fetch. Hey, twits, jump. OK, sir. How high? Just because it wasn't Nancy Pelosi sending the message. Just because it wasn't Chuck Schumer telling Twitter and telling Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook what to do, 
It does not mean that it wasn't on their behalf. The DNC works and collaborates just like the RNC works and collaborates with elected officials in the federal government. To think that because it's the DNC, it's not the government, silencing, censoring, and suppressing speech is just ludicrous. So what flavor? Uh, well, I think you're smoking crack, Bob, honestly. How? Um, I hear you. I hear you. So let me just let me just step back and say, if you think I'm not pissed off about censorship, you're wrong. Uh, keep in mind, I'm the guy who got booted from Governor Mike DeWine's press conferences because I wasn't asking the right questions. So I get it. That, and, that who and, who you, and who got you? And who got you back in there? You did. Okay, thank you. UHK did. Yes, absolutely, because it's the right thing to do. Because we recognize censorship and suppression it when is. we see it. But and, what I'm, and we what fight I'm back doing, against it. What I'm doing is is I'm I'm telling you that the Supreme Court has weighed in on this issue. Now, will the new Supreme Court, when I say new Supreme Court, obviously it's populated by new jurists and they might make a different decision, but it was the Colorado uh, Republican Federal Campaign Committee versus the Federal Election Commission in 1996, where the Supreme Court said that candidates and their parties themselves are entitled to First Amendment protections. And the independent expression of a political party's views is core to First Amendment activity. Now, you would We're argue, not talking about expressing, Jack, but hold on. We're not talking about the party expressing themselves and being denied. We're talking about the party denying individual American citizens and, yes, press outlets. You talk about the First Amendment and people think it's just about free speech or maybe just about freedom of religion. The freedom of the press is one of the five protections in the First Amendment that absolutely Twitter has become a part of. Everyone, including Republicans and Democrats, have both declared that Twitter is the place where most people go to get their news anymore. Why do you think television ratings on TV news are in the toilet? Why do you think newspapers are all going under? Well, yep. correct. And and so people go to Twitter first and foremost to see what's in the news today. Twitter has become de fa- a de facto press outlet. And it's where the New York Post posts its breaking stories. It's where the New York Times does. It's where the Washington Post does. It's where everybody does. So when you well, deny people access to that that public square based on ideology, you are suppressing the speech of the and su- uh, suppressing the press. That's flat out First Amendment violation and they need I don't, to be held accountable for it. I, I don't think that you and I disagree that speech was suppressed. What I'm saying is that it, for it to be actionable, for it to be a First Amendment violation that can be prosecuted, you have to be able to prove that there was a legitimate government actor and that government actor either did something like quid pro quo, like do this or else, or um, forced the social media company to do it. Those are the things that you need. Those those situations are ripe for adjudication and prosecution and probably victory. But you have to show that that was what was going on. I think that this movement, when I say movement, the, the, the group of people who are trying to um, bring about justice for what we know happened. I mean, look, Bob, we've talked about this for years. We know that it happened. So you have to figure out what part of it was illegal. I think that what you want to hang your hat on is what happened with the FBI, because the FBI did meet with social media companies. The FBI did follow up with Twitter and say, hey, did you take care of those things? And by the way, I want to I want to address the whole asinine argument that Donald Trump is culpable. I, given what I just said, that you have to essentially prove quid pro quo and that the um, social media platform knuckled under the power of somebody. Look, look at Donald Trump and look at Twitter. Do you think they were afraid of him? Do you think they listened to him? So that that whole argument is bogus. He did not have the authority over Twitter to do the things that would equal a First Amendment violation. I think the one that's ripe, that, that probably is the best case, is looking at what the FBI did with Twitter and with Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg has already admitted in a public forum that the FBI came to him because what's going to happen is the FBI is going to have to explain how the hell do you have Hunter Biden's laptop and how do you and then how do you go to places like Facebook and Twitter and other outlets and claim that there might be a dump of false information. And even if they didn't know, 
should they have reasonably known what was on that laptop? That's where I think the trouble is going to come for the government. I think there's all kinds of civil culpability. I think people are pissed off. And I think social media companies are going to suffer as a consequence with revenue and with participation. But I think the real criminal activity, if it's going to be proven, is going to be on the side of the FBI interfering in an election. Well, first of all, uh, social media companies already are because Facebook, I mean, I think we talked about this on our Thursday show, right? Today, I asked you about Mark Zuckerberg, didn't I? Um, You know what Mark Zuckerberg's net worth is now? Didn't it drop like 40 billion dollars a hundred billion dollars he went into a better he went from a net worth of 140 billion dollars to just over 40 billion dollars you might say oh it's 40 yeah but you understand what we're saying here so yes it is going to harm the companies and their managers but i want to go back to first of all i don't think anybody expects orange jumpsuits and 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 ankle bracelets Jack, I don't think this is about if you want to prove and, 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 you know, criminally punish these people. I don't think that's what anybody's talking about when we talk about First Amendment violations. We're talking about First Amendment violations being very clear. And I don't agree with you that you have to have either the government or a government agent forcing or coercing saying do this or else or doing a quid pro quo if they have a whole group of, of sycophants who are just like them who said, how can we help you? Here's what we want you to do. Silence this, 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 and this. And the Twitter uh, people were only too willing to do it. Number 11 on the on the Twitter file drop list from uh, Matthew, is it Taibi? I'm not even sure how to say his name. Sounds about right, Taibi. Okay, yep. TB, Taibi, whatever. Number 11. Uh, this system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation. There were more channels and more ways to complain. Open, and then and so I opened up the, uh, uh, the, the numbers that they threw up here. And this is staggering for those who haven't seen it or heard it. In the 2022 election cycle, that's just the one that just ended with the midterms. 100, this is contributions by party of recipient from Twitter. Twitter employees. $185,267 in donations were made. Democrats got 165,969 of those. That's 99.73%. Republicans got $451. That's 0.27%. postage on a mailer. Yeah, right? In, in the 2020 presidential election, Jack, $968,749 donated. The Democrats got 909000 of that, 98.47%. Republicans got $14,000, 1.53%. And in 2018, it was similar. I won't go through that. But my point is, you don't have to threaten. You don't have to coerce. You don't have to say, do this or else or quid pro quo, if you do this for us, we'll do something for you. If they're all on the same team suppressing the voices of their perceived enemies, Mm -hmm. then it is still a violation of the right of those people to be heard. When the New York Post had their account suspended by Twitter, and we know that Twitter was working in collusion with Democrats at the DNC and as high up as in, in the Biden campaign, which, of course, was crucial when they when they spiked uh, the story that the New York Post was the only national um, uh, uh, news outlet or media outlet to even cover because everybody else just did exactly what they were told. And I'm glad you brought up the FBI because the FBI went to Zuckerberg and said, you know, when this thing, when this Russian information drops, misinformation drops, don't share it. Don't let people share it. Twitter canceled the New York Post account. They suspended the freedom of the press. They suspended the freedom of the individual journalists to speak. They suspended the accounts of other people who tried to share that information. That's straight up First Amendment violations. Is it going to lead to jail cells? No, I'm not saying it will. I'd like it to, but I'm realistic. What I want, Jack, is for it to be acknowledged, for it to be condemned in Congress, for it to be condemned publicly, and for it to be so taboo to do this kind of thing ever again that we know it will not happen in 2024. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. And uh, I believe the chairman of the oversight committee said over the weekend 
that this James is going to happen. Yes, Comer said, you know, we're going to take a look at Twitter and, and these uh -huh. people are going to come before us. We're going to subpoena records and, and we're going to get to the bottom of this. I think that there's a really big rubber band ball of stuff here. I think what you talked about isn't just a potential First Amendment violation. Again, I think that's going to come down to the FBI. What do they know? And how strong were their suggestions? Because they're going to claim they made suggestions. Well, did they make suggestions? And how the hell do you make suggestions if you know what's on the laptop pertaining just to the New, to the New York Post story? There are other issues, of course. But and then how strong were the suggestions? Because if you say to Facebook, hey, um, you don't have to listen to us. But if you release information that gets dumped, do you really do you really want to do that and be a part of the disinformation? So if they're if they're doing that kind of stuff, I think there's a First Amendment issue. But don't let's not lose sight of the fact you also mentioned in-kind contributions, right? I mean, Absolutely. essentially what you're saying is that in, is that money flows through to one party, one campaign or one entity, and it does not get accounted for. That well, is that's a campaign, not, that's, that's a campaign that's, violation. That's not in No, that's not in-kind. Those those were actual dollars of Those are actual dollars. Okay. The, the, the in-kind contributions by silencing the opponents? Sure. Oh my gosh. Can you even put a dollar figure on what those, well, what that would be worth? I think you should. I think you should, because I think you've got two other issues here. I think you have an antitrust issue, right? If you, it, I mean, let's face it, the, the public square digitally right now, it really resides with Twitter and Facebook to, to a large degree. So there is a responsibility there. And I think, I think we're going to hear a lot more about antitrust, but if you are the New York post, if you are another entity that got censored, then and you can prove, hey, this impacted my top line and my bottom line, then yeah, you should collect damages, treble damages, whatever, you know, whatever the law calls for in that jurisdiction, I think you're going to see those things. But I think it goes much deeper than a First Amendment issue. And I also think um, I think that we're going to we're going to learn so much after January 3rd and Republicans take over at the Capitol building. I think we're going to hear from people like Christopher Ray and, and Merrick Garland. And we're going to hear from people at Twitter. And, um, you know, my hope is, like you said, we don't uh, have high expectations that never get met. And then we just become a, a disgruntled people again. Right. But, but I hope that yeah. we have clear expectations set by lawmakers, by investigators who say, look, we're really looking into this. And here's what that means to you. Because I think at the end of the day, um, given everything that everyone's gone through over the past couple of years, people want to pound a flash. You know, they're, they're not OK with this. Well, let's just forgive and forget. No, we're not doing that anymore. So that not only do they want to pound a flash, they want to make sure that going forward, this kind of garbage doesn't happen again. Well, um, before we leave this topic, I want to I want to go to number 17 on the Twitter files drop and dump from uh, Matthew Taibbi or Tibby or whatever it is. And that is the one about the New York Post I mentioned a moment ago. October 14, 2020, about three weeks away from the actual election, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose based on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop that is more than just Hunter's laptop as we now know, and as we knew then, from eyewitness firsthand partners of Hunter Biden verifying everything like Tony Bobolinsky and others, um, it was the Biden crime family laptop. It wasn't just Hunter's. He's just the crack addict who got stoned and left it at a shop for over 90 days to the point where the owners then say, we got to do something with it. And he's a fantastic so, scapegoat. Yes, yes, he is. So the New York Post uh, story, smoking gun email reveals how Hunter Biden introduced Ukrainian, refreshing, hold on, businessman to VP dad, selling access to the White House, the Obama White House, through the vice president of the United States. It doesn't, I mean, if that's not impeachable, I don't know what is. And this is when he was vice president. And if you want to transfer the impeachment to now that he's president, you ought to be able to do that. But how I-, I well, Go ahead, sorry. No, that's okay. I, I just wanted to finish the um, the next uh, uh, number in the drop was number 18, in which it was described. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it may be, quote, unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool hitherto reserved for extreme cases like child pornography. 
White House spokeswoman Kaylee McEnany was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from the Trump campaign staff from Mike Hahn, who seethed at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. So, Jack, I mean, going back to the little jokes about crack, I mean, it's literal, literal Suppression and censorship of the press. One of the five protections. The New York Post was censored, and as so was Kaylee McEnany as an individual, um, all for political purposes. So it doesn't get much worse than this. And so my question now is because you know we agree that it's not going to lead to criminal uh, prosecutions, and it's not going to lead to fines or anything else. But we want our pound of flesh. What does that pound of flesh look like to you? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? Because we know what it looks like to President Trump, because that's as big of a story as the as the dump now, because he made it one with a with a foolhardy message on Truth Social. But we know what his pound of flesh looks like. Yeah, we do. But you know, by the way, just sidebar: how, how just comical does uh, the first impeachment and a call by Trump, you know, to another world leader? How, how crazy yeah. does that look now? Yeah, by I mean, comparison. I, you know what I mean? I, I want to look at every one of those, you know, Adam Schiff for brains and Nancy Pelosi <laughs> and everybody there on the House floor and say, OK, now, if you have any ounce of testicles, if you have any ounce of integrity, then, you know, stand up and, and take this like a, a human being, because now you need to be investigated. Now we really need to look into matters. Bob, it, it wasn't just Ukraine. It was China. We know yes. that there were deals struck oh. between Hunter Biden and China. It's and all Joe spelled Biden. out. Tell me a bigger player on the on the international stage right now. Tell, by the way, tell me another country that that is doing to human beings what China is doing. And 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 apparently Joe Biden's okay that his son struck a multi-billion dollar deal with the government of China. This is crazy. So what is it? But I, I digress. What does a pound of flesh look like? I don't know. I really don't know. I am not an attorney. I can't. I think that there are damages, right? If you're if you're a private entity, you may escape the, the First Amendment violation. Um, but I think you could be on the hook for tons of punishment, you know, financially uh, and, and by the courts otherwise. But if you're a member of the FBI, if you're a member of the intelligence community and you did commit a First Amendment violation, I want to see you in handcuffs. I want to see you in an orange jumpsuit. And I want and I want to produce the documentary because people need to remember forever what happened in 2020 and really how close we are really to be. The the problem with social media is people forget the power of influence that social media apps have on this world is is like nothing we've ever seen. And it really, to me, accounts for the crazy behavior, the polarized behavior, and the hate that we see in this country. I don't know what a pound of flesh looks like, but I'm really interested to see it. Well, I'm gonna say this as my wrap for this topic. And the left hates doing what they like to call whataboutism. I don't give a rat's ass what they hate. I want you to try to imagine a Trump presidency from 2016 to, tw- or excuse me, from uh, um, uh, 2012 to 2016, because that's when Joe Biden was the vice president. I want you to imagine uh, a Trump uh, uh, White House. I want you to imagine his son, Donald Trump Jr., or Eric Trump, making deals with China, Chinese business companies to sell access to the White House for their father. Now, I want you, I know, right? Now, it's a little bit hard to do this apples to apples, what about ism here? Because then I want you to fast forward. In Biden's case, he became vice president to president, and now he is the president. If that were possible in this scenario, and this happened when Trump was in the White House as either president or vice president, then was out for, for four years, and now is back in the way Biden is. Even now today, just finding out the facts of what was in that laptop, the proof of the Chinese uh, 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 deals and that, that benefited the entire Biden family, Jim Biden, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, uh, obviously Ukraine, and everything that we know 
Tell me, Jack, do you think the pound of flesh wouldn't look like impeaching the current President Trump for things that happened in the last of uh, the last time he was actually in power? You know damn well that, that it would. They you would know damn abs- well that it would. And in fact, I don't even think it would get to the business dealings. I think Donald Trump would have been hung figuratively for his son sleeping with prostitutes and being on crack. That would have been the end of it. Then there's that. Yeah, thank you. Great point. They would have stopped there. All of those I images. Mean, th- all, that's all the media would have needed. That's That would be on replay. That's all that you would ever see ad infinitum going forward about Donald Trump and about what they would call his his son. So true. And of course, they would paint the narrative that Donald Trump is such an evil man. Bad, and a bad father. The destruction he brought to his family. And this yep. is the kind of guy you want leading your family. But Joe Biden's son does it. And all of a sudden, and, we're supposed to feel compassion. And if Donald Trump had gone on record as saying that my son is the smartest man I've ever met, because that's what he said. That's what Joe Biden says about Hunter. If Donald Trump had said that about his crack addled hooker banging, uh, uh, you know, lying, deceiving scumbag of a son that in a human being that Hunter Biden is. Can you imagine? And then the last thing too, Jack, I know I said that twice now, but what's really pissing me off about this is that we're so focused on the press and the First Amendment issues and the suppression of the press and who suppressed things and so forth. And we're not talking enough about the actual crimes themselves, about what's in the laptop. Our story and the the Twitter documents that were dumped, the Twitter files, just proved that there was collusion between Democrats, Democrat leaders, and Twitter uh, employees and executives and decision makers. That's and, and that has become the story. And the story, the real story is... After we get, you know, let's set that to the side for a second. What is it that they buried? Well, let's look at what they buried. All of the things that were in that laptop, which will come out, I I suspect, when Comer and his oversight committee and Jim Jordan and his judiciary committee start subpoenaing, subpoenaing all of these Twitter executives and everybody who had anything to do with it will know. And, and then, of course, everybody who had anything to do with what was on the laptop. Once we start finding these things out, we're going to find out that the suppression of the story was a minor element of it. Twitter suppression of what the New York Post reported and so forth is awful, but it's minor compared to we thought what the high crimes and misdemeanors, if you will, that were being committed by Joe Biden and his son while he was in office and while he was the vice president of the United States selling access, not just to his office, but tell me he didn't go to Barack Obama from time to time and say, my son's got something here. It's it's going on with China. Will you talk to these folks? How do we know how far that went? Because that's the real, if you want to talk about Watergate moment, it's not about the, you know, everybody says the cover up is worse than the crime and the cover up in this case is awful. But I think the crime is, is just egregious. I think the crime is egregious. My biggest fear, Bob, is that we're going to have uh, 30,000 emails all over again. We're going to have 12 or 13 phones destroyed all over again. My concern is we will never know. And here's why I think we'll never know. When you read Molly Ball's story, I've I've mentioned this countless times, and if I've mentioned it and you've not read it, you need to go back and read it. It talks about the 2020 presidential election. Her words were that there was a secret cabal. There was a secret cabal. I know there was a secret cabal. And the cabal was so well-connected and so much in communication, and it so much involved parties on both sides of the aisle that when I started asking the governor hard questions and he started to get pushback, I got contacted by a guy at the New York Times who broke the Steele dossier, which was really uh, the impetus to Donald Trump's hell on earth for four years. So the same guy that tried to uh, bend Trump over the barrel came knocking figuratively on my door and trying to discredit me. Think about that. We live in a world where there is a group of connected people who were so hell bent on censoring information and shaping the narrative that they came to central Ohio for a little guy like me. That should scare the hell out of everybody. And that's why I think and I worry that this is the 30,000 emails and broken phones all over again. 
I'll tell you why I think you're wrong and you don't have as much to worry about. <clears throat> Two reasons, actually. One, now that that hard drive has been verified and documented, everything that was on that laptop was real and not Russian disinformation, even the Washington Post, even CBS comically like a week ago saying, our independent analysis shows that this thing from two and a half years ago can be verified. It's real. You freaking idiots. Nobody disputes it anymore. Guaranteed that there are redundant drives that have been copied from that. Everything that is on it is probably being saved in a whole lot of spaces. So nobody's going to be able to delete that. Uh, that's number one. And number two, we know that so much of this is saved in the Twitter files because we just saw the first dump. They didn't think they would have to bury those. They didn't think they would have to bleach bit those. They didn't think they would have to destroy the, destroy those. Why? Because nobody saw Elon Musk coming. Nobody saw ever that, you know, maybe someday the world's richest man will come to us and say, I'm going to buy your company and I want to look at everything you have. And you can't not sell to me because I'm going to make such an over market value offer on the stock prices that you have no choice but to sell to me because if you don't, it would be a fiduciary irresponsibility to all of the Twitter shareholders. They didn't see Elon Musk coming. So therefore, they didn't have a chance to wipe everything out until he got here. And now he got here and he's combing through the files and he's finding all of this interpersonal communication. And so between Elon's dedication to revealing the truth and his transparency, which I salute, um, I can't tell you how important that is. And the fact that, again, now that the drive has been verified, it's going to be in enough places now where it's been, it can't just be bleach bit like Hillary Server was in her closet in Chappaqua. Yeah, you know, I really hope you're right. The final thing I'll say about that is I've always said words and actions are a barometer. And if you remember when that deal was finalized and Elon Musk came on board and then he started doing some things, look back. Look back over the history of some of these accounts, the president, uh, certain members of Congress, both in the upper chamber and lower chamber. And then, of course, you have your um, you know, megastar lunatics like the singers and the actors and actresses. These their heads exploded because I think they knew what they were in for. You're right. And uh, <clears throat> and that to me is, is really telling. Um, it's going to be interesting how this thing plays out. And, um, you know, we're going to be here and along for the ride and, and keeping people apprised of it. Well, I, uh, like I said, I'm going to be remain cautiously optimistic that those two factors are going to be something they can't dodge. And that's what will be exploited when the Republicans take over in January and Jordan assumes the chairmanship of the uh, uh, of the Judiciary Committee. And obviously, we mentioned Comer taking over oversight. That's when we're going to start to see some level of accountability and the pound of flesh that we're talking about. All right, Jack, let's come to Ohio now, uh, because obviously, you know, we broadcast this out on Facebook and on YouTube and all these other places, but we're Ohio, uh, you know, localized. So let's talk about what you and uh, the Ohio Press Network were, were reported on this week. Um, Whitney, can you throw up that headline, uh, the headline that we uh, put together for this? Uh, the the Hilliard story, and Jack, I'll let you kind of introduce to didn't even tell the story here. Um, and I can't see if it's up or not, but that's just- Yeah, uh, we're up, the, Bob. It's up. There, yeah, I see it now. There it is. That's the headline on the Ohio Press Network. Parents, we knew nothing about this. Hilliard staff, this is Hilliard Schools, encouraged gender dysphoria, exposed to students' private information, and ignored signs of distress. Parents say parents who were alerted only after the school deemed the student suicidal. Jack, we all know what is happening here with this extraordinary Strange time in which we live, in which children are being encouraged. Many people use the word groomed. I'm one of them to explore other identities, other sexualities, other sexual attractions, other sexual orientations, and their teachers are among those who are doing it. As a matter of fact, before we get into the details on this story, Whitney, throw up the other graphic that we have there, which is uh, part of a comment from this non-binary-ish looking freak show of a teacher. And I'm sorry, I don't pull punches on this stuff because of what they're doing. I'm not allowed to tell kids I'm trans or non-binary or that I'm not a girl. This is a girl. I showed up today with a new haircut and presenting much more mask as in masculine than usual. The kids are all confused and asking why I have a mustache if I'm a girl. If I'm Mr. Banghart now, why am I trying to look like a boy, etc.? 
I'm just ignoring questions, redirecting so I don't get in trouble. Though some of the reactions are hurtful, I'm not mad, they're kids and I don't mean harm, I'm mostly just enjoying all the confusion about what I am. (sighs) Pondering what they're going to do when I have the mustache and a skirt later this week. Now this is from last month. This is, this is what I meant when I said that these teachers, preschool teachers sometimes, primary school teachers, how these people are getting hired, I have no earthly idea. But he, you, just, you just read that comment from this, this woman, pretend man. Mm. I enjoy them being confused about what I am. That should be grounds for termination yesterday. I enjoy confusing the children about sex, sexuality, sexual orientation, and gender. I enjoy confusing them. I'm playing with their young, impressionable, preformative minds and making them wonder what I am and maybe if they can wonder what they could be or should be. That's sexual grooming. That is LGBTQXYZ grooming. Nothing more and nothing less. And I don't care who has what to say about it. People like that should not only be fired from their jobs in classrooms, they should be freaking prosecuted because it's abusive what they're doing to these children. So that's just my quick stump message for a moment, Jack. Tell us more specifically about Hilliard. Well, I'm going to weigh in on what you just said first, Bob. Do that too. Uh, because I can't not. <laughs> um, that's mental illness. That's mental illness. And it's somebody who is uh, celebrating the depravity of other kids. And um, I, I have a hard time with it because um, it... You know, Bob, I don't know. You you went to college. I don't know what your I don't know what your college days were like, but maybe some some folks go through that phase where, you you know, you like to go out to the bar, maybe you drink and you just kind of want people to come along with you and 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 engage in some of the debauchery that you're that you're involved with. I don't know. Um, But it's 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 disturbing. Um, And I I I just have a hard time with it. I have a hard time seeing. Um, a, a teacher that is obviously struggling with, with their own sound mind, uh, their ability to have a sound mind, being in a position where not only are they are they struggling to teach, but they're they're out publicly celebrating it. And and there are other people who I'm certain are saying, "Wow, what a, what a brave person, what a bold person." Um, it's it's frightening, Bob. I think about my daughter in that classroom and the conversation that I would have to have with her after a day like that. And it's unfathomable. It's just, it's hard for me to comprehend. But Jack, uh, before you go on to Hilliard, um, I just want to respond to what you said. I'm more cynical than you. You said that person is clearly mentally ill. I don't know how clear that is. You see, I think a lot of these attention seekers are using gender dysphoria, which is a clinical psychological illness as their crutch to be the attention whores that they are. I do not believe that a, this, this massive portion of the population that is suddenly exploring new identities and new pronouns suffer from the very, very rare psychological um, condition known as gender dysphoria, where their body and their minds really don't match up because How do you think we got to the 97 different identities? Gender dysphoria is which is is when, and it's a real psychological thing, where the mind tells itself, I really feel like a male, even though I have female anatomy, XX chromosomes, and so forth. Um, That's a legitimate thing, and it's very, very rare. Then you got freaks like this, this woman who says, well, my mind says... I'm kind of a little bit male and my body says it's kind of a little bit female or maybe the teacher two doors down is on some days I'm all the way male and I'm butch and on other days I'm all the way feminine. I'm totally, you know, uh, um, uh, what, what, what's the, uh, what's the term for that one? Um, it's not gender queer. I, I can't remember. Oh, that's the point. But there are so many of them that have been made up by, and I'm going to use the term again because it's real attention whores. 
That doesn't mean whores is in the terms of prostitution. It's an attention seeker who will do or say anything to get what they want, which is attention. That's what attention whoring is. And there are many of these people, Jack, that I don't believe for one second suffer from gender dysphoria, the psychological um, disconnect between mind and body that occurs in a very tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of human beings. These are people who are trying to get attention. They're looking for affirmation through clicks and likes and all kinds of other crap. So I, I think very few of them suffer from gender dysphoria. The rest of them are making things up, including the furries. No, you don't understand. I really feel like I have a feline spirit. I really am more feline than human. I mean, the number of these things, and they're all on the Internet. These aren't psychological, uh, psychologically ill people. These are attention seekers trying to, to join the crowd uh, and be a part of Pride Month and be a part of all of this crap. And the worst thing is... If they just stuck to it themselves, I wouldn't give a crap. If that chick was a was a was was working in a lunchroom somewhere washing dishes, I don't care, but she's teaching children. Mm-hmm. And when they try to then I enjoy confusing those kids. When you try to screw with the kids' minds too, you're done. You're gone. No more no more dress up for you. You don't get to go play dress up anymore. You don't get to do any of that as Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel uh, uh, Mark Robinson from uh, North Carolina, not Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson from North Carolina says, you can go down to the, to the doctor and get cut up. You can go to the makeup store and get made up. You can go to the dress shop and get dressed up. But at the end of the day, you ain't nothing but a cut up, made up, dressed up man or woman. You didn't change your DNA. You are still what you were born as. The rest of this is all just crap. And I'm sorry to take up so much of your time there, Jack, but this I don't buy that. They're all mentally ill. I think a tiny percentage of this trans movement is true gender, gender dysphoria, and the rest of it is the result of grooming, coercion, and, and, and uh, enabling by people like, uh, 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 what's the admiral, uh, Richard Levine. Richard Levine, who dresses a woman and says, call me Rachel, is a dude. And it's just that, that that's the kind of stuff that is being pushed. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, uh, I hear what you're saying. And, and it may not be gender dysphoria, but I think that there is some sort of uh, mental challenge there, whether it's a mental illness or not, um, you know, whether it's not being fulfilled in areas of life that you have to resort to such extreme behavior. But I'm digressing there. Uh, the one thing that was interesting that 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 teacher talked about was saying essentially, like, I really can't talk about my sexuality or my gender or my preference. Right. And, and that really should be the rule. Um, teachers shouldn't talk about that. And I'm going to use that to pivot into this story that involves Hilliard, uh, Hilliard, Ohio, which is a, a Columbus, Ohio suburb. Um, Lisa Murtha, one of our uh, top writers, wrote about a family in Hilliard. And the parents said, look, we didn't know what was going on. Well, here's what was going on. They have a daughter in the middle in one of the middle schools there that a teacher heard overheard a conversation uh, between the student and another student and not a not a guidance counselor, um, you know, not a not a uh, social worker, but a teacher, a choir teacher talked to the student and asked the student if uh, she wanted to be called by a boy's name or to be known as a boy. And my understanding is that the middle schooler also had another conversation with a science teacher. And over the course of two or three times over a few weeks, the student had to be let out of class because she was exhibiting mental and emotional distress. Mm -hmm. All of this was going on without the parents being aware. And so the dad gets a call from the school and he's told, you need to come and get your daughter. She's suicidal. And if you can imagine, uh, dad's going, well, wait a minute. What, what are you talking about? I've We've never had even a discussion about, you know, my daughter's mental wellness or any challenges that she has. So he, he goes to the school, starts having conversations, brings <laughs> his daughter home and finds out over the weekend what I just shared with you, um, that the student was talked to a couple times by teachers, according to the parent. And that at one point, actually, the student um, did go talk to a guidance counselor or social worker and was given a, um, uh, a suicide assessment. 
and the student's peer was there with the student. So the uh, the social worker or the, the staff member gave the student um, a suicide questionnaire while another student was there. Uh, and so the student goes home with her parents over the weekend and is, is trying to explain things and is trying to get into a better spot. Mom gets a, a text message on a Saturday night from another student who says, so is your daughter dead or what? And of course that pushed them into a panic again because the mom's like, how do other students know about this? And then the daughter tells the parents, well, you know, my friend was with me while I was talking to, you know, the, the guidance counselor and they gave me the assessment. So she knows what I'm going through. And then of course the rest of the school knew. Um, but the real issue here is that the parents had no clue what was going on with the daughter. They had no idea that she was having these, these gender discussions. They had no idea that she was exhibiting emotional and mental distress. Um, it, it was only when she was deemed suicidal that they were contacted. Um, the worst part is the principal and uh, the guidance counselor never really asked how the student was doing. We reviewed emails that were sent back between the family and uh, the school officials. Um, it also appears that there were not significant conversations or um, changes in direction made after this came to the surface. I talked to the dad uh, over the weekend and I said, how are things? He said, we're moving out of the district. And he said, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, they say that they're accepting. They say that they're understanding. They're not. He said they preyed on my daughter. And then after she started backing away from their group, they've acted like a gang and now she's subject to bullying that the school's not even doing anything about. He said, we sold our house, we're leaving the district. Um, really, really tough story to read, really tough story to put together. I'm glad Lisa uh, handled the bulk of it um, because these kind of stories really hit me right in the heart. Um, but that's Hilliard, Ohio, Bob, we've had these discussions. These types of things are going on and uh, you know, proponents of the movement say, no, they're not, no, they're not, you're making this garbage up. Well, this is a real experience. This is a student who was who was uh, deemed suicidal, whose parents were kept out in the cold until it was too late. And by the way, the parents said, look, if these are gender discussions that we need to have, we're willing to have them in our family between us. These are conversations we would have wanted to initiate. But you gave us, you know, you put us behind the eight ball here. Our daughter went through all of this stuff by herself to the point that she was suicidal. And, um, you know, that to me is one of the, the, the harder things to come story. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jack, um, for that story. I wish it didn't exist. Um, the real terrible news here is they can move out of the district, but unless they move into a private school, charter school, or homeschool situation, they're going to find the same problem. Yep. And that's not to say that every school is identical or every district is identical to the Hillier district, but most of them are. Most of the public schools are. Why? Because they're all staffed by the same people. Members of the NEA, members of the OEA, the teachers unions, the National Education Association, the Ohio Education Association, they believe in all of this. They have no problem with a choir teacher and a science teacher talking to the daughter about whether or not they want to switch genders, talking to the girl. And mom and dad don't get to find out. They don't find out, oh, so-and-so is having a problem. Send them to a psychological professional who will then consult with the parents of this minor child. They figured we'll handle it ourselves as if some choir teacher or science teacher is capable of doing that. So when he says we're going to move to a different district, good luck, because this is the mentality of, of the teachers, the public school teachers in America today. Um, and, and, you, and you need look no further than some of the leaked and uh, documents and, and reports from whistleblowers at teacher trainings, where this stuff is literally pushed upon all of them. And I want to read uh, real quick uh, one of the things at the end of the uh, article that people can put up there in the, or see in the Ohio Press Network. Um, what Dan said, this has actually gotten worse. You quoted this part. People uh, in the talk about the LGBTQ community being accepting. It's not. It's predatory and it's gang behavior. We were we are now de dealing with bullying that the school won't do anything about. Speaking of his daughter, he said Kate has always been a quiet and reserved person. Girls change their hair all the time. She got into anime. She's a tomboy, but it's never gone quite this far. In the end, he feels multiple factors pushed his daughter to that brink. Peer pressure which is part of grooming, by the way. 
uh, uh, to see a counselor for gender dysphoria she wasn't fully certain she had. Borderline predatory teachers, I'd take away borderline, uh, talking to kid about issues better left to mental health professionals. The pressure from both peers and teachers alike to fit into the box that they had assigned her. Quote, there's a lot of blind following going on right now. It's a very, very scary thing. And it is all of the above. And Jack, like I said, uh, they're not going to find any respite at another public school district there and, and maybe not even at the right, you know, at the wrong private school. Um, this is why so many people in the education community or parents are, are screaming and putting it on their um, social media accounts and even in their bio lines, homeschool your kids. Not only, your are kids. They, not, not only are they not going to not find respite, they're not getting answers. And, and I, and I want to, I want to share this. I think it's important. Um, Lisa reached out to the school district and asked these questions. I circled back uh, and, and asked the principal these questions on Friday, reminding him that he is a, a political subdivision, that he answers to taxpayers, that he answers to, to the press and to parents. And, and we, I asked, does the school have an official policy for when and how teachers should get involved if they learn a student is experiencing gender dysphoria? At what point is a student referred to counseling for an issue? How does the school protect student privacy? In the case of gender dysphoric students, when are parents typically alerted? And do you, um, you know, do you have a copy of either suicide questionnaires or, or conversation starters that you're having with students? School districts need to answer these questions at a minimum. I mean, these are these are questions regarding kids and 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 their health care and their emotional well-being. And and schools are not. This is the problem. Schools are not answering these policy questions. We did a story on Hilliard again earlier this year. And uh, I got um, I talked to, to an attorney that is suing the district. A group of parents are suing the district. That was on the he, badges, right? The badge. Yep, thing? Well, yeah. it was it was badges. It was a culmination of several things. And he said, what's the policy? What's the policy? This is the problem, Bob. They're not telling you what the policy is. We've gotten our hands on legal advice that one or two key law firms give a lot of these schools about what is permissible in the schools. And by the way, um, Attorney General Dave Yost opposes some of those things. And he wrote about those in that letter that we've talked about that he sent to the U.S. Department of Education regarding regarding Biden's Title IX changes. A lot of this is sliding in under that umbrella. But schools are not answering questions that parents have. That has to change. That has to stop. That is the question. That is that is what we need to press forward on and never give up on. Because here's the problem. The minute that they produce a policy, then they can have liability. So they're going to try to spin their wheels and say, well, now we do it on a case by case basis. Um, but schools need to be forthcoming about what their policies are. Completely agree, Jack. And, um, you know, this is this is a fight that's not anywhere near over. As a matter of fact, the attack, much less our defense, is still coming strong every single day. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to close with this. We didn't get a chance to. I, next time we're, we're working, by the way. Talking Smack is a work in progress. We're trying to add video. We're trying to add components to this whole thing so that we can cover everything the way we want to. Um, but there's a Navy SEAL, a former Navy SEAL named Chris Beck that people are focusing on right now. Maybe you saw the story. Maybe you didn't, Jack, um, who became known as a transgender woman. That's right. An actual Navy SEAL. It doesn't get much more masculine than that, right? Toxically so. Decided he wanted to be a woman and became Kristen Beck. He is now screaming from the rooftops about his detransition back to being a man and what a massive mistake this was and how doctors predatorily convinced him to uh, that he was trans in a, in a one hour session and you have in, in when it co- and he was an adult when it comes to little children you've got teachers you've got uh, online influencers you've got celebrities you've got uh, public officials and sometimes sadly you've even got parents who are like so quick to say oh my little Johnny is so special he's going to be Janie the, the, the pressure, if anybody exhibits any kind of signs of interest in something that isn't typically associated with what that sex is, they're pushing them into yep. making these drastic changes to the point where they're screaming now as adults the way Chris Beck is screaming, don't let this happen. Go seek assistance. Get away from the people who are pushing you into this because his life is now irreversibly changed because of the things that he had done in terms of you know the chemical castration aspect much less the physical stuff. So it's, and there are tens of thousands of stories online uh, of detransitioners who are screaming, don't let them do this to you. Let me, I, I want to say this. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. One of the things I heard 
uh, quite a bit when we were covering the State Board of Education and Brendan Shea's resolution yeah. that really rises up against these types of things. We heard a lot about this group called the Trevor Project. Bob, you mentioned kids and students going online. I would I, I would recommend anyone go out to, to Brave and, and search that, uh, that system for the Epic Times article involving the, the Trevor Project. Now, what they uncovered was there wasn't necessarily a legal activity um, but one of the law enforcement officials who looked into them had some really serious, um, strong and concerning things to say. One of the things that they found through the Trevor Project is they kind of slough off detransition. They act as if it really isn't a thing and it never really happens. Um, but it is the perpetual grooming and the pulling kids in through those types of things. You want to talk about peer pressure. Um, so just be weary, wary of, of the Trevor yep. Project. I'm sure that's going to get me in trouble, but I don't care. Stay the hell away either. from it. I don't know. I, exactly right. These groomers will do anything to pull these kids in, and that's what uh, it's a war. This is a battle for the safety of kids and their souls, and we need to uh, we need to t- to take it on. Okay, we're a little past our hour. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching or listening. Make sure you share this podcast if you like what you heard, if you enjoy our conversation, our takes, our thoughts, and you want to share back with us. Seriously, we would love to hear from you. But share these wherever it is that uh, uh, that you can on your social media accounts, your email chains, your text chains, uh, chains and text groups, whatever that. You, whatever it is that you have we certainly appreciate it and we welcome your feedback how can we make talk and smack even better so until next time talk and smack i'm bob and i'm jack and that rhymes we'll see you next time that rhymed too yes it did <laughs>